ever seen a pug wearing an astronaut helmet? That might seem like a weird question, but actually I have. And it's a funny story as to how I got to that point. Because you see, for most of my life, I've been super into rockets and spaceflight and NASA. And it's followed me into my adult life. And so it's been really neat to to see how that's developed and integrated with my my mission, my mission of sharing God's love. And so I actually wrote a book that's being published that's connected to space flight and astronauts. And I'm really excited about it. But I had done a ton of reading. And I got to the point when I was reading one of the books that I realized that the space shuttle wasn't in existence anymore. Like, we don't use the space shuttle anymore. And anyone who keeps track of spaceflight knows that and would probably make fun of me. But I was shocked. And one of the main reasons that I was shocked was because just a week before that, I had actually sat down and done a one-on-one interview with an astronaut. I actually sat down with him and talked about him taking space shuttles into space and into the International Space Station. We had talked all about the future of space travel. And yet this crucial detail of the fact that the space shuttle, which we talked about in our entire conversation, that it didn't exist anymore, I had no idea. And I felt extremely unqualified. I felt embarrassed for myself. I felt like, wow, I wrote a book on this thing that I thought I had researched and I missed this like crucial, very important, very easy to find detail. That's what we're going to be talking about today. I'm Cecilia Ciccone and Jesus loves you this I know because you can't do everything. That might seem obvious that we can't do everything, but if you're anything like me, I'm some of my qualities, we'll, we'll have a little confession here, is that I can tend towards perfectionism. I can tend towards trying to do everything. I have a really hard time saying no. And one of the things, especially over the past year, that's been really difficult for me, and I know that I've shared it on the podcast in the past, is that I have PTSD. And some days are really, really hard for me, that I am clinically sick. And it's been really difficult for me to take sick days when I need it. Because PTSD isn't obviously an illness that you can see. It's very internal. And so it's taken a long time for me to start to accept that, wait a second, I can't do things like I used to be able to do. I can't work constantly like I want to be able to do, like like I could do even just a few years ago. I just don't have that same energy. Or for example, just saying, If I started a podcast and needed a break for a few months, (laughs) that it's been hard for me to accept my human reality. And I know that this is not the first time that I've talked about this. Needing to take sick days or a break or to cancel plans when when you just need a rest, that's something that I used to beat myself up over. Because in my mind, if they were good things, I needed to say yes. Because God's love is important, and I had the sense that I should be able to do it. This is especially true when dealing with mental illness. I know I have PTSD, but whether that's depression, anxiety, bipolar, any personality disorders, we realize that we have a lower bar of what we're actually able to do. For myself, that I can't hold the jobs that I wish that I could, that I need more rest, that I have to pay more attention to intentionally taking care of myself 
And this is the reality of our human experience. I know that I've talked about it over and over again, about how being human is good. And Jesus showed that because God himself in Jesus Christ became human. And so he shows us that it's, it's not an obstacle to him working. The fact that we have human limitations, the fact that we need a certain amount of sleep. This applies to all of our needs. It's not only illness, but it's our physical well-being, our spiritual well-being, our mental and emotional well-being. They have limits. And I don't know about you, but growing up surrounded by Christians, well-meaning Christians who know the truth that Jesus's love is the solution to pretty much everything that we're experiencing, they try to make that a little bit more um, maybe direct or easier in helping me cope, especially with mental illness. So I don't know, maybe you're someone who has said this to people before, but one of the things that I had internalized was the idea that if I loved God, maybe I just needed to pray enough rosaries or get up early enough to go to 6 a.m. mass or to recognize God in every single person that I met. And then I would have no limitations. If only I loved God enough, then I wouldn't have limitations. And friends, that's just not true. God made us as people who can't do everything. It's natural to fight this because I I really do think that that's part of our sinfulness and, and we'll be talking about sin a little bit today. But it's part of our sinfulness to want to fight this to want to say, no, I should be able to do everything. I don't need anyone else. I don't need my spouses. I don't need my parents. I don't need God himself. I can do it. That's part of our sinfulness. And so God in his mercy has given us boundaries so that it's obvious that we cannot do everything. And praise him for that. That really is his love because it's those boundaries. It's us like running against a wall time after time after time, running against a locked door time after time after time, when finally we think to say, hey, God, can you just open the door? That this is my limitation. I can't do it alone. Lord, come in and help me. This is a roundabout way. I know I said that in this season that we're going to be talking about the Bible. And in the last episode, we talked about creation, about the fact that God did not make people to be alone, that he made Adam and Eve so that together they could populate the earth. And what a gift that is. Today, we're going to keep following the story and talking about what happened when Adam and Eve sinned. And so as you can see, we really are walking through this story. I hope you can understand that we're not just, it's not a scripture podcast. That's not my specialty. But we're looking and seeing, okay, how did God reveal his love in the very fact that number one, he allowed Adam and Eve to sin, which is a complicated, difficult question to tackle, but also in how God responded to the reality of Adam and Eve sinning. Where is his love there? And so I think his love is in the fact that he has not allowed us to do everything. So I hope you'll stick with me on this. You know the story of Adam and Eve, that they were created perfect. They were in the garden. They loved each other. They were naked and without shame, Genesis says. And that's a topic for another day. But of course, God told them you can eat the fruit of any tree except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And of course, Adam and Eve found themselves in in front of an appearance of of Satan um, and they ate the fruit that they weren't supposed to eat. They hid 
And then God punished them and, and sent them out of the garden. And some of the other repercussions of that is that they would die. They wouldn't live forever. Eve would have pain in childbirth. Adam would have to work and sweat. And there's more and more. But like, wait, what? what? That, that doesn't seem fair that because of the first mistake that they made, that their lives and the lives of every single other human ended up being negatively affected. That because they ate a fruit, that they died. Like, what? what does that mean? And even I used this word when I was recounting that story for you, that we often see this as a punishment for sin, that all of us have been suffering ever since Adam and Eve, or, or so we believe as the story's told, forever and ever, simply because they ate the fruit. Let's talk about it. Let's break it down. Let's see where God's love is in all of this. Because to be honest, sometimes it, it seems like the punishment probably didn't fit the crime, right? In the garden, God gave Adam and Eve very simple boundaries. The very simple boundary was you can do whatever you want, just don't eat from that tree. When they eat from the tree, the book of Genesis says that their eyes were opened, that suddenly they had the ability to choose the wrong things, that they broke the boundaries, that God was trying to help them to live their fullest lives. And he said, you will live your fullest lives, total freedom, as long as you don't eat from that tree. They broke the boundaries. But what actually happened is that they didn't trust God. That God, as I talked about a lot in season one, created them totally freely out of love. He just wanted to love them. He wanted them to know his love. That's the only reason that they had been created. And part of knowing God's love is knowing that we can trust him. And so he wanted them to know, you can trust me. You will have a wonderful, abundant, perfect life as long as you don't eat from that tree. That was it. All they had to do was trust God. And even when Satan comes into the picture, it's interesting because Eve is the one that converses with the serpent. Eve is the one that says, no, that's not what God said and actually enters into dialogue with Satan. But Adam is just quietly off to the side. And in this moment, if they really, you know, and I believe it was an interior struggle as to whether or not they would eat the fruit. You, you see it in toddlers all the time that you say, don't do this thing. Or there was a challenge of parents posting videos of like putting three M&Ms in front of their child and their toddler and then going into the other room and telling them, don't eat them until I come back. And you could see it on the child's faces as they were trying to decide that they know they're not supposed to eat the M&Ms, but they're right there and they're trying and you see that internal struggle. And so I don't think that Adam and Eve set out that day wanting to know what that fruit tasted like, but it was put in front of them. And so what we see in Genesis is a very real struggle. And Adam's quiet. Adam's like that toddler who you can see he's like, I know this isn't right. I know this. We're not supposed to be doing this, but he's quiet. Imagine if Adam would have cried out to God that Satan's there saying, you won't die if you eat this fruit. It's totally fine. God just doesn't want you to be like him. If Adam would have remembered that he was made in God's image and said, hey, God, this is confusing. Can you come and tell us what to do? oh my goodness, God would have been there immediately. But instead, he was silent. Instead, he, he didn't think he could call out to God, didn't think he could trust God. And so they eat the fruit. That is, is like 
the story that the rest of human history kind of hinges on. And like I've said in the past, we're, we're not going to dive deep into whether or not it happened exactly like it's written in Genesis. What we're looking at is how God has revealed his love. And I want to put forth something that's that's really big. So so we have this story. They eat the fruit. They sin. They fall. God's reaction is to, well, he punishes the serpent for sure, but he casts Adam and Eve out of the garden. And what he says when he does that is he says, we have to remove them from the garden unless they eat from the tree of life. So what we can imagine is that there were two trees in the garden. Adam and Eve before the fall were allowed to eat from the tree of life. They could live forever in this beautiful, perfect state. But once they've decided that they don't trust God, God realizes that if they need to live forever, some healing has to take place. If, they, if they're going to live forever, that there has to be healing. That they have to learn that they can trust God. Because right now, they don't. And you can imagine, if Adam and Eve didn't know that they could trust God, then Cain and Abel also, that they're not able to teach their children that you can trust God. And then it just keeps going and going for generations and generations that we have people who, who don't know that they can trust God raising other people unable to pass on the knowledge that we can trust and abandon ourselves totally to God's providence. As I was preparing for this episode in, in scriptures, and you can see it in art, or I even have memories of when I was a child of, you know, a, a dramatization of Adam and Eve, that it says that they, God put an angel in front of the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve had to leave. And when I was preparing for this episode, I found a scripture scholar that referred to that angel as a guardian angel, that guardian angel that was meant to keep Adam and Eve on the life, the path of learning how to trust God. Because if they would have eaten from the tree of life while they didn't trust God, they would have lived forever not knowing that they could trust God. They would have died separated from God. And that's not God's love. God wants to do anything possible to bring us deeper into his love. So instead of seeing that angel with a fiery torch as a punishment from God, as someone who wanted to hurt Adam and Eve, in fact, it's a sign of God's love, of his mercy, that he wanted Adam and Eve and all of the people who came after them to live with him forever. And so healing had to take place. They had to be protected from being stuck in that state forever. I hope that makes sense. And if it doesn't make sense, just take this away. That when we start to think that we can do things on our own, we keep going and going. It's like this slippery slope of, okay, um, you know, I'm in this situation and I had to lie to get out of it. And then because I lied, I actually have to lie again and I have to lie again and again. And then all of a sudden I'm leaning totally on myself and there's no one I can reach out to for help because no one actually knows the truth. That's the allegory of what has happened throughout human history after Adam and Eve. Because Adam and Eve didn't trust God. Cain didn't trust God, and so he offered a poor offering and ended up killing his brother Abel. That this is what sin happens as it takes over the world. But God does not leave that angel with the fiery sword there forever. The whole story of scripture and what we'll see unfolding as we go and go, and of course it leads right up to the coming of God himself in Jesus Christ, is that the entire story of scripture, God is bringing us healing so that we can eat from the tree of life and live forever. That tree of life is the cross. 
It's made present in the sacrament of the Eucharist and Holy Communion. When, when we receive Holy Communion, we are being healed, are being brought back to being one with Christ, consuming that fruit that he offers us from the tree of life, his own body and blood from the cross. That's what we keep in mind as we're looking at scripture and, and looking for God's love is saying, okay, God poured out his love into creation. We didn't think that we could trust him. And so our entire lives now is God showing us that we can trust him, bringing us back into his love more and more. We have the foretaste of that at Holy Mass and Holy Communion when we become one with God. As I already said, it didn't take long for sin to start spreading. That Adam and Eve's son, Cain, became jealous of Abel. He didn't trust in God's love for him. And it makes sense because his parents also hadn't trusted in God's love for them. So how could they possibly pass that on? And then we have the first murder when Cain kills Abel. If we could do everything on our own, we would never be open to receiving God's love. We simply wouldn't need him. And so Adam and Eve, while it can seem like, why did God even create the tree of knowledge of good and evil if he just knew that it was going to be a temptation for Adam and Eve? Wasn't that, (laughs) that was kind of mean (laughs) for him to create that tree at all. But God put this boundary. God put a very simple thing, one thing in place so that Adam and Eve could have something to remember that they could trust and love God. That boundary was an opportunity for them to grow in trust and love of God every single day of their lives without sin. And God doesn't want us just to live for his sake. It's not like God is lonely up in heaven and that's why he wants us there. God wants us in heaven. He wants us to have those boundaries. He wants us to know that we can trust him for our sake. Imagine the peace that would enter your heart and mine if we really trusted God's providence. We really trusted that God had our good in mind. And I know I keep coming back over and over again throughout this podcast and saying, I need these reminders as much as anyone else, because I certainly don't trust God as much as I should. I certainly don't trust God with every single nook and cranny of my life. But I can imagine that if I did, if I really did respect the reality that I can't fix myself, I can't heal myself, I can't bring myself to heaven and I just let go of everything and actually let go of it and trusted God that he would give me what I needed. I can imagine the abundance of peace that would come into my heart. And that's God's love. God wants us to know that we were created good and out of love and that he loves us at the core of our being. He doesn't love us because of anything that we could possibly earn. And as much as it hurts in a real way to realize that we can't do everything, to realize that we can't do anything to earn God's love or even to make God love us less, that's extremely humbling. It's vulnerable. It's scary. It can even feel lonely to realize that we can't depend on ourselves. But realizing our own limitations is the place where we are most open to letting God work. Recently, I was looking through some health insurance papers and I was applying for a grant for something and it said that they were the payer of last resort. And as I read that, I I thought about how so often in my own life, God is the payer of last resort. That it's like I try every single thing. I try to do it on my own. I try to reach out to other people for help. I try to do this, that. I try to fix my life myself. 
And it's only when everything else has fallen through that that's when I come to God. It's sad, but it's true. Of course, God is not supposed to be the payer of last resort. He's not the one that we're supposed to turn through only when everything else falls through. But if that's the only way that we turn to God is if everything else falls through, if the only way that we're open to knowing that we are irrevocably loved by the God of the universe is if everything else falls through, then praise God that everything else fell through. Those are hard words to say. But the reality is, is that knowing in the depths of our heart, in the depths of our being, that we are so deeply loved by God and that there's nothing that could take that away, that is so much greater than the best of our plans coming to reality. Heaven is our goal. God gives us limits so that we will be happy with him forever. When we turn to scripture, we can think about St. Martha, who her brother Lazarus died. And Jesus knew. Jesus knew that Lazarus was sick, and he ended up dying. And Martha ran out to meet Jesus and said, if you would have been here, he would not have died. She understood that Jesus could do everything and didn't. Of course, Jesus earlier, Martha didn't know, had said that Lazarus would would fall asleep so that God's power would be known to many. But Martha experienced the reality that God does not do everything that we want. God accepted human limitations when he became human. It's unimaginable to us that boundaries, that taking on any kind of restriction would be good. But God became a human so that we would be reminded that he has redeemed us within our human reality. We don't have to try to strive to have no boundaries. We don't have to strive on our own to become like God. No, we become like God by letting go, by not trying to grasp for control, but trusting in his love. If only Adam and Eve would have trusted in his love, if they would have trusted that it really was for their good not to eat that fruit, they would have lived such a peaceful life. And it's the same for you and me, that every single day, I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes it's every single second, I have that temptation to grab the fruit, to to say, no, I don't trust God. I need to know it for myself. God in his mercy does not let us get lost in that. He imposes more boundaries on us, not as a punishment, but as a mercy. He gives us boundaries so that we won't keep going forever rejecting his love. He gives us boundaries so that eventually we turn to him as the payer of last resort. And again, that's not because he's some egotistical maniac wanting attention. It's because that is what will make us truly happy. You can't do everything. And you certainly don't have to do everything because we weren't made to do everything. And there's the reality of trauma and suffering in our world. The reality of broken trust. For me personally... I need to have someone on my side to fight for me, but it's really hard to trust. Over and over again in my life, I can turn and look at some of those deepest places, those deepest wounds when I finally turned to God as the payer of last resort. And what a relief it was to know that he was on my side. He, he wasn't angry that I waited so long to open myself to his love. He was there waiting for it. Jesus loves you because you can't do everything, but he can.
the first three steps of any 12-step program are came to believe that we were powerless and that our lives had become unmanageable, came to believe in a power greater than ourselves, and made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to him. And a lot of times these first three steps of any program of healing from addiction, of healing from difficult habits, healing even from from fractured backgrounds, it's often summarized as I can't, God can, I think I'll let him. I can't, God can, I think I'll let him. It is my prayer that all of us will let him do it, that we will let his love consume us. Let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Loving God, we are faced every single day with our own limitations and with the limitations of the people in our lives. Lord, it can become so frustrating. We can so easily strive to make our own lives, to do what we think is best for us. Lord, when we find ourselves bouncing up against your boundaries, Lord, help us to open our hearts, our minds to you. Help us not to get angry or to hold resentment for the boundaries that you have placed in our lives, but to praise and glorify you through them, that they will be opportunities to turn to you in a more sincere way, that in the depths of our being, we will always remember how deeply we are loved by you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This week's scripture of the week is from the book of Exodus, and I'm actually pretty sure that I've already used this scripture, but it's a good one because it's uh, an early example from, from the Old Testament of God showing us that we can trust him. So in this situation, the Egyptians have been chasing the Hebrew people who have, have just been let go. So this is a reading from the book of Exodus. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Of course, all that Moses had to do was raise up his staff and God parted the Red Sea and saved the Israelites. He did a miracle because they were willing to stay still and trust in him. This week's Saint of the Week is Saint Stephen. And again, this is another example from the New Testament, actually, of of God reminding people that they can't do everything. And so opening up this beautiful opportunity in the church. Basically, in the Acts of the Apostles, the apostles were so busy that they weren't able to take care of some of the most vulnerable people among them. They were so busy that they weren't paying attention to the widows and the orphans because they were baptizing people and talking about Jesus. So they decided to choose a group of people who would act as deacons. St. Stephen was one of those deacons. And so the deacon's special jobs were to make sure that everyone was materially taken care of because the apostles couldn't do everything. St. Stephen ended up being the first martyr of the church, the first person to die for love of God. 
And certainly it's because he was allowed into to take up this role that the apostles had a limitation on what they were able to do. So they invited St. Stephen to take it up. And that is what helped him and certainly everyone that he met to get to heaven. St. Stephen, pray for us. My love tap for this week is the weather's been really beautiful. And so I've been sitting on my porch a lot with my dog. And as I've been sitting on my porch with my dog, I've been noticing a lot more. I notice a lot more the, the people walk by. I say hi to them. I have gotten to know my neighbors super well. Although I know that my dog is a dog, he's not a human being. I'm so grateful for the ways that God reveals his love, that God taps me in that gentle way through him to pay attention to what he's doing in my life. We already prayed, so that's going to be it for this week. This has been Jesus Loves You, This I Know, a podcast on God's love. I'm Cecilia Ciccone, and I would love to connect with you on Twitter and Instagram, where you can find me at CEC squared. If you feel moved to provide some support for the podcast, I would be most grateful. First, definitely please join me in praying that everyone who listens will know how deeply he or she is loved by God. Also, we live in the world, even though we're not of it, so I would be grateful for any financial support that you're able to offer as well. You can donate by Venmo to me at CEC underscore squared or by PayPal through the podcast website, Jesus Loves You Pod. Dot org. And you can find a lot of other good stuff on the website too. And that'll be in the show notes. Thank you so much and may God bless you. All right, that's it for this episode. Until next time, we'll be united in prayer. And remember, Jesus loves you this I know because, well, because of everything.